Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this evening, the gospel reading that we heard just a moment ago from Mark chapter 6, and especially focusing on these words from our collect that we prayed just a few moments ago. Grant that we, who have died and risen with Christ in holy baptism, may daily repent of our sins, patiently suffer for the sake of the truth, and fearlessly bear witness to his, Christ's victory over death. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Mark chapter 6, the expanded account. Almost always when we read through the Gospel of Mark, we get the Reader's Digest version. Things are happening very quickly. Things are happening immediately. It's the shortest of the four Gospels. So when Mark slows down to give us extra details, there's a reason. And the reason is why we gather and celebrate tonight. The martyrdom of John the Baptist. John the Baptist who was slaughtered even though he was innocent. Now I don't mean that he was born without sin or somehow uh, was immaculately conceived. No, John was a sinner. So in that respect, he was guilty just like we all are. But he was innocent of the charges. He was a victim of injustice. He was put to death for speaking the truth. Our text starts out where people are wondering about Jesus. Who is this Jesus? What is the identity of Jesus? Some said John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That's why these miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he's Elijah. Others said he is a prophet like one of the prophets of old. We've seen this in the other Gospels as well. Who do you say that I am, Jesus asked. But it's different here. Why is it different? Because the person who answers this question about the identity of Jesus is Herod. King Herod himself. King Herod says, I know who this Jesus is. This Jesus is John. John whom I beheaded. He has been raised. Herod was insane. Herod was mad. Not angry mad, but crazy mad. The anger and the guilt and the shame that had consumed him had now reached a fever pitch. He was seeing the ghost of John the Baptist behind every shadow. He was seeing John the Baptist in his dreams. John the Baptist was, in a sense, haunting him. Why? 
Because John knew, or Herod knew that John was innocent. And he had him put to death anyway. My friends, God's Word teaches us right here and right now what happens when we have sin that is not dealt with. It can be a big sin, it can be a little sin, it can be a mediocre sin. If sin is not dealt with in a God-pleasing way, meaning contrition, being sorry for your sin, repentance, bearing your soul and coming clean before God, and receiving the forgiveness of sins from God on account of the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus, if that does not happen to your sin, your sin will drive you mad. Your sin will be like a cancer that eats you up from the inside. Your sin will ruin your life. Your sin will ruin your marriage. Your sin will ruin your family. Your sin will ruin everything. If you do not deal with sin, the way God intends for sinners to deal with sin. We see it. We see it as plain as day. What sin was it that drove Herod insane? Well, now we have kind of like a flashback. And we get all these details here in Mark that we get no place else in Scripture. Herod was having a party. It's his birthday. What do people do at their birthday? They party. They celebrate. But there was one person at the party who was not happy and was not celebrating. That's Herod's wife. Now wife, after all. Herodias. She's not happy. Herod and Herodias are living in sin. And there was all kinds of other sin that led up to their sinful marriage. They knew it. And they pretended that it wasn't sin. But John the Baptist wouldn't play the game. John the Baptist was a faithful pastor. And what do faithful pastors do? They preach the truth. They speak the truth even to power, whatever that power may be. In this case, it's the king. John the Baptist called Herod and Herodias to repent of their sin. Could have been any sin. This just happened to be sixth commandment sin. Could have been any of the commandments. They were living in bold, public sin and unrepentance. Herod had John thrown in jail, in prison. Herodias wanted him dead, but Herod couldn't do it. And now we see another example in the life of Herod of what sometimes happens to us when we're caught in our sin. 
We kind of like what God's Word says. We kind of like it, but we want to keep it at a distance. We want to hear what the Creator of the universe has to say about life, about my life, about my problems. We're curious. But when it starts to get a little bit too close, when it starts to penetrate into the heart, when it starts to cut and makes me aware of my sin, then we push it away. Maybe that means we stop coming to church for a while. Maybe that means we come, but we don't pay attention. Maybe that means that we say things about the church or the denomination or the preacher that's getting a little bit too close to the nerve. Herod is playing this game. John's in prison. Get him out of prison. Yeah, that was a pretty good talk. Boat back to prison. He's playing this game back and forth. And Herodias has lost her patience. She is sick and tired of this guy. This guy who's making her feel bad. This guy who's calling sin, sin. So now we have the birthday party. The birthday party, we see Herod is drunk. More than likely, he's drunk on wine because it's his birthday party. He's the king. He's drunk with power. He's invited all these dignitaries here. He can do whatever he wants because he's the king. And he's also drunk with lust. The same lust that put him into a sinful marriage is now causing him to make foolish oaths and promises he doesn't really want to keep. He lusts after Salome and her salacious dance. He makes a foolish promise. The king is tricked. He knows it's wrong. He knows John is innocent. And yet to save face, to save his precious reputation, he goes against the clear word of God. He willfully sins. He places his soul, which is already in harm's way, on the very edge of damnation. John the Baptist, his head is now on a platter. And Herod's demise continues. My friends, God's word for us has many, many applications to what's going on in our world, to what's going on in our church, to what's going on in our heart and in our lives. The collect that we prayed earlier tonight sums up 
the ministry of John the Baptist and how that ministry and his martyrdom applies to us. We pray that Grant that we who have died and risen with Christ in holy baptism. We've already died. That was our epistle reading for tonight. Don't you know that all of you who have been baptized into Christ's death have also been baptized into his resurrection? Because the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the world has been applied to you in the waters of holy baptism. You have nothing to fear. You're going to die. I hope that's not a shock to you to hear that. I hope that's not a newsflash. You're going to die. And it's okay. My friends, it's okay. You've already died in the waters of holy baptism. You are connected to Christ. You've got nothing to be afraid of. Your name is written in the book of life. Your sins are forgiven. Grant that we who have already died may daily repent of their sins. My friends, sin left unchecked. Sin left to fester and grow will eventually kill your faith. I don't know when, but I know it will. That's why God calls us to daily repentance, to daily return to our baptism, to daily confess our sins and receive forgiveness each and every day so that our sins do not pile up so that our relationships are not encumbered by sin and as we who have been baptized into Christ daily return to the baptismal waters through daily contrition and repentance may we patiently suffer for the sake of the truth. My friends, suffering is real. We know that. Some suffering is self-inflicted. We do something dumb or stupid or sinful, and then there are consequences to the dumb or stupid or sinful activity. That's not suffering. That's not what God's Word is talking about suffering. Sometimes we suffer because of the sinful condition of the world. Bad weather. Bad economy. Bad politics bad health. That suffering is real because of the sinful condition of the world. We need patience in the midst of that suffering. But not only do we need patience for that kind of suffering, there are times when we suffer for the Word of God. We suffer for the sake of the truthfulness of God's Word. 
When there is someone in your family or in your church or in your community that is speaking or living contrary to the word of God and you stand up for the truth of God's word, you will suffer. Maybe it means you won't get invited to the family gathering or the family reunion or the Thanksgiving dinner. Maybe it means you'll be written out of the will or you won't get invited to the wedding or the funeral. Maybe it means that a human relationship that has always been near and dear to you will be broken. Not because you want it broken, but because someone does not want to hear the truth of God's word. This suffering is real, and this suffering happens all the time. And we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, need patience in that suffering. Because we want exactly what God wants. Sinners to repent. Sinners to believe the good news. Sinners to spend eternity with us in heaven. And because of that, we need to do more than patiently suffer. The colic says, and fearlessly bear witness to his victory over death. We need to fearlessly bear witness to the truth. The truth of Jesus and the truth of the words that Jesus has given us. His Bible. There are times when we have cowered in fear. There are times when we have said, oh, that's politics, that's not the Bible. Because we really are afraid, we're chicken to make the good confession. My friends, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world and it has sped up considerably in the last five to 10 years. You know the kind of things I'm talking about. Things with regard to gender and marriage and sexuality and the rule of law. My friends, these things are clearly issues of Scripture. And many times we have failed to make the good confession. We failed to participate in the process that we have in this land of the free and home of the brave. We failed to speak truth to power whether that be a letter to the editor or a letter to the mayor or the city council or the state senator or the governor or the president or whoever. We have failed to take a bold stand, not for politics or personal gain, but for Christ and the truth of his word. My friends, the good news is 
The same Jesus that died on Good Friday and rose from the dead did so precisely because we are sinners, because of our failings, because we have spoken when we have, should have kept quiet and because we have kept quiet when we have should have spoken. We have not suffered patiently, but whined and complained about it. My friends, for our failures and our shortcomings, Christ says, my son, my daughter, I have bled for you. I have risen victorious over sin, death, and the grave for you. I sit at the right hand of my Father and I rule and control all things. I have not left you. I have not abandoned you. I am with you. I am with you in the waters of your baptism. I am with you in the Holy Supper which I give you to eat and drink to nourish and sustain you. And I speak to you words of love in your ear. What do those words sound like? I forgive you all your sin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My friends, on this day when we commemorate the martyrdom of John the Baptist, may God bless us, we who have died and risen with Christ in holy baptism. May he bless us with daily repentance of our sins, patient suffering in and for the sake of the truth and the power and the conviction and the courage to fearlessly bear witness to Christ, his word, and his victory over sin, death, and the grave. May God grant it to us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now may the peace of God which far surpasses all understanding. Keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, our suffering, our confession in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.